Uh, you have your Bibles, your phones with you, whatever it is you were using for the text. I'm not in Isaiah. We're in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3 this week. Uh, we've gone through, over the course of quarantine, um, prior to COVID hitting, uh, obviously we've been going through the Gospel John for over a year, and then when we hit you know, the COVID-19 church pausing, and we didn't want to, there was just everybody trying to figure out how to do this. And so we jumped, the purpose was for the moment jumping to Ephesians uh, chapter one, just to go through uh, that portion of text. But um, we're continuing to steamroll through this book. Uh, We've finished chapter one, chapter two, we'll recap just a little bit. Um, It is actually intentional to the purpose of the text this morning to recap a little bit on this text, uh, on the text we've been through. But uh, we've been going through the uh, book of Ephesians. Uh, We finished chapter two last week. We're in chapter three, starting at this week. Um, Before we jump into the text, so I want us to go to the Lord in prayer as we always do. Um, A few things, um, just a little pep talk. God is good. Uh, He's just as in control as he's ever been. Um, As a matter of fact, I feel like he has this tendency that when we get on our high horse and when we're rolling good, rolling fine, rolling strong, looking like we've got the world under control, that's when God tends to go, oh yeah, well let me remind you, church. Um, And realistically, I I get it, there's a myriad of reasons uh, why um, our lives will be interrupted. And we have to wrestle with these things in different ways. Some, I've been there. I've been angry. I've been upset. I've been frustrated. I've been kicking and screaming through this whole process too. But God's intention is for us to always hit the point of going, you know what? I have to realign my focus, God and God alone. This, the normal aches and pains of life haven't stopped. Uh, over the past couple of weeks, we've had a lot of um, prayer requests going out. Um, Brian, obviously, with his heart, um, he's a heart transplant patient, heart transplant patient uh, with about an eight-year-old heart, seven or eight-year-old heart. Obviously, he's not. He hasn't been returning, but I know he had back surgery just to, to not this past week, but the week before, at the end of the week. Um, Rob, who's been here the past couple weeks, his uh, best friend growing up, his uh, uncle, um, had a brain aneurysm that Rob knew him very well, and and that involved this serious draining, serious surgery. A uh, healing process has been continuing onward through all of that. That has been a lot of shock on them. Um, Brandon, hope I'm not stepping on toes, but uh, I know Brandon's grandmother, really sick. We need to obviously be praying for their family. Um, childhood best friend of mine. His mother is one of the most beautiful women I've ever known in my entire life. Many of us know her from Harvest and Hogan. Um, has had to have had to have her leg amputated last week, only to then they go back in and remove it further up the leg. Lots of stuff going on. Uh, people, li- life is going to continue to steamroll over us every day. And God allows these things because he wants his purpose to be fulfilled, and that's a church that is deeply content in who he is, deeply satisfied in who he is, deeply amazed by his glory, deeply enamored by his grace and committed to him. It's a tough time. There's no real right or wrong answers, I think, in the realm of how we're handling a worldwide pandemic and how we're handling a, a country that's eating at itself. I, I, there's no right or wrong answer other than the church should lean on Christ, lean on God, and love one another. That's 
the right answer. It doesn't necessarily uh, give you the answer to tell to somebody in every detail, but it gives you the right answer. Uh, so we want you to remember one another in prayer. And most importantly, um, as we uh, go to God in prayer, we need to remember first and foremost His glory, His grace, and what He has done. We can't let the problems of this current world belittle our knowledge of who God is. Let's go to God. We thank you for who you are, Father. We thank you for your mercy and grace and your love that abounds and pours out over us. We thank you that we mean a lot to you. More than a lot, we've meant enough to you that in Christ you would die for us. May we never belittle that. But remain continually hopeful that you are doing a work, a work in your kingdom, a work in this world at the time, one that we are participants in. Even when we don't have all the answers and even when we ourselves are scared, may we deny ourselves that we can live in you and that you might reign through us. May this be a place of peace, a place of sanctuary, and a place of worship. With you as the focus, not ourselves. As we open your word this morning, Holy Spirit, you're present, you're with us, you never leave, but I ask that you pour forth an abundance in your leadership, giving us eyes of discernment that read your word and hear what it is you are saying, not read it uh, callously or read it uh, with our minds put into it, but that you speak, that you give us hearts of conviction to show us where we fall short and where we need to change, and with courage we follow your leadership as you shape us to look more like Jesus. Holy Spirit, guide me this morning as I preach. May I preach with purity and truth what your word says and shut my mouth if I get started on something that's not in this text. It's not my place to do so. Rather, may much of you be made this morning, God. In Christ, we thank you as our Lord for your sacrifice and giving us the opportunity, giving us any right to be able to stand here and say your name this morning. We love you. We praise you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 7. Um, I'm going to start actually in verse 19 of chapter 2. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, by that, how by that revelation, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, 
by which when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men as it now has been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. Um, we are really going to break that down because this is one of those passages where Paul um, tends to pause a sentence mid-sentence to then start speaking on another idea that involves other sentences, including internal sentences that describe the sentence that he's interrupting the other sentence with. It's one of those passages, so we obviously need to slow down and process for a minute. Um, we're going to walk through this slowly in case reading through that made you go, huh? We have finished chapter 2. Quick recap. We have to do a quick recap because, again, chapter 3, verse 1 says, for this reason. You're not going to understand chapter 3 unless you understand what for this reason means. For this reason is referring to verses 19 through uh, 22 of chapter 2, and verse 19 says, now therefore. Therefore means you have to understand the passage before that. That's how these letters work. So a quick recap of where we're at to get us up to pace with chapter 3. We just finished chapter 2, and the course of chapter 2, there's several major sections, but what Paul is doing is he's making this logical argument, a logical progression, a logical move through a theology that is centered on one major idea, and that's salvation by grace through faith. Um, again, it's the reason why many of us, the Ephesians chapter 2 verses we know are verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith that is not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Throughout the chapter, Paul's pointed out our lack of ability to live up to any form of righteousness and that we've only deserved the wrath of God. Again, that's the first argument amongst all the little details, obviously, he makes. Verses 1 through 3 of chapter uh, 2 says, look, you have deserved death. You were dead, and it was because of your sin. It was because you followed the devil. It was because you followed the world. It's because you followed the lusts of your flesh. It's because you did what was right in your eyes. You're a child of wrath. You deserve nothing but death. Then he moves into the love and mercy of God displayed through Christ. That's verses 4 through 10. The fact that God had this plan that even though we were dead, it would be because of his great mercy, because of his great love, because of his kindness to us, that he raised us, uh, the church, us Christians, from the dead because of a faith and a belief in Jesus and given us an inheritance with Christ where for eternity we'll be able to, it says, in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. How we think we've seen kindness and love now, we think we've seen kindness and goodness now, just wait until we finally inherit the kingdom and we see what kindness really looks like and what grace really looks like. Not that we haven't been displayed in its fullness in Christ, but we still can't process it. When we've been made new and we're standing with God and it makes sense. Then he moved into this, uh, this rejection of this, this message that was going in the church of adhering to the law. Again, his big picture is co counteracting this passage uh, 11 through 13, this message that was spreading in the church of how 
sure, it's faith in Christ, but also adopt this Jewish practice. And Paul says, no, if that were the case, you're calling back to a time where you had no hope, you were without God, without Christ, you didn't even have a starting point as Gentiles to come to him. God didn't redeem you to then let you still have something between you and God. Instead, he came to abolish the enmity between Jew and Gentile, This is verses 14 through 18. Christ came to abolish that struggle, to abolish that that frustration, to abolish that anger, that separation that Jew and Gentile had. He made himself our peace for the purpose of presenting us as one person before God to glorify God at what he achieved on the cross. The death to the hostility that was works that still condemned us, but had a hint of righteousness to them. Christ killed all that. And his culmination of chapter 2 is showing the pleasure God finds in Christ presenting Jew and Gentile before him as one people, unified in one holy family, as saints, and building us into the temple of the Holy Spirit. Again, we read through that verse, uh, starting in verse 19, this final part of Ephesians. The reason why rejecting any mindset of our righteousness having to do with our salvation. It's only faith, it's only grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It's only through that that we have righteousness because the purpose was that Jesus would crush all the strife, crush all the separation, present us as one people to God because through him we are no longer strangers and foreigners, fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And that through us on the foundation of the apostles and prophets through which they are all of the weight rests on Christ as our chief cornerstone, God is working to build a holy temple through which he will reside. I know that's a lot of information to vomit at you, but again, before getting into for this reason, I, Paul, we have to get ourselves back in the mindset of what Paul's been saying. Paul's saying, church, get the self-righteousness out of your head, focus and ground yourself on Christ alone, because not only is he our cornerstone, but he is the reason why you and all your filth, you and all of your sin, you and all of your worthlessness are looked at as an essential ingredient in the holy temple of God. And it's for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner in Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. Again, anytime you see something, this is just basic, um, it's basic English. This does translate well um, for us. When we see something like, for this reason, or now therefore, uh, or therefore I also, or and you, or and he, or but God, pretty pretty much turn to any uh, paragraph in your Bible, and it will have some little now therefore, or for he, I also, or, you know, something like that. And it's always these little words that say, okay, before we continue onward, make sure our brain is wrapped around where we've been. Take that idea. We're moving forward. He says, for this reason, I also. Paul was writing to the Gentile church. He's reflecting on the need for the church to understand unity present between Jew and Gentile. Again, this is very uh, timely for today. For this reason, there is no black, there is no Mexican, there is no white, there is no Jew, there is no uh, Hispanic, there or, um, um, Hispanic, there is no uh, um, German, there is no French, there is no Chinese, there is no Japanese. That there, none of that 
For a period of time, there was a separation there. You were either Jew or you were not Jew. None of that anymore. You are one body presented by God and every member. Again, it's the reason church is so important. It's the reason why it's essential that we gather together. It's the reason why it's essential that you're not here to hear me preach. You're not here to hear Ed preach. You're not here to hear the worship. You're not here just to pray or just take communion. You're here to do all of those things in love with one another because none of us should gather together without looking at one another and saying, we are a part of the same holy temple. 